Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hope you all had a great weekend. Um, it's been an interesting weekend for my family. Uh, my youngest daughter, she got married yesterday, and we handed her off to her. Yeah, y'all can celebrate that on all the campuses. But also uh, in front of God and all the witnesses, I made sure her um, husband uh, committed to take all of her baggage with her, including her cat. So, so yeah. So it was it was a good day for all of us, right? Yeah. So uh, hey, uh, take out your uh, talk notes out of your worship guide on all of our campuses, and we're in our third week of our series entitled "The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future." And um, here, here's the thing about all of us: we all have something that's in common. It's not even a religious thing; it's just a fact of our whole lives. It's just part of being human, and that is this. Our worst decisions were fueled by something with strong emotional appeal. Now, if you really stop and think about that, that's not really like new information for you, though, is it? I mean, if you really stop and think about it, like, go ahead and stop and think about like your worst decisions that you have made in your life. I mean, that weekend, that first marriage, that purchase, that lease, that loan, that investment, that fight, that night. If you really stop and think about what was that worst decision that you've made in your life, if you really stop and think about it, this, that decision or that series of decisions was something that just had this strong emotional appeal to you. That's the reason you made it. Like it was so emotionally appealing to you that you bought it, you ate it, you leased it, you dated it, you moved in with it, you moved there for it. Like you took it, you smoke it, you drank it, you married it. Sometimes you married it after you took it, drank it, drank it and smoked it, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, you said it, you showed up for it. But, but now you look back and you say something like this, like, what was I thinking? Like, I, I wish I had never. So, so why is that? Here's why. Because somewhere along the way, what once had strong emotional appeal lost its appeal. And once it lost its appeal, like you couldn't wait for it to end. Like you couldn't wait to get out of it. You couldn't wait to leave him. You couldn't wait to leave her. Like it was so appealing and then it wasn't. And you know why that is a problem? Because over time, it lost its appeal, but you didn't lose the consequences from it. Think about that. Like it lost its appeal, but you're still living with all the consequences. And for some of you, it's even worse because what was once appealing eventually became imprisoning. It became restricting. And before you know it, you had this addiction in your life or you had this habit in your life and you couldn't break it. Like you have this habit now in your life that you can't quit and, and you had made some choices that have just kind of left you out of control of your future. And wouldn't it be nice when what once had strong emotional appeal, once it lost its appeal, wouldn't it be nice to wake up the first morning that it's lost its appeal and say, oh, I'm not going to be part of that anymore or I'm not going to do anything anymore or do that anymore. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that? But it's just not that easy, is it? And when you stop and think about it, just looking at your own life, you know that. See, the thing that gets us off track and creates down the road and, and leads to regret are always things that start with some kind of strong emotional appeal. And so the question is, 
How do you avoid falling into the trap of falling for those things with strong emotional appeal? That's the thing. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first of all, one of the things about the whole title of this series is that it implies something that you may still maybe not even agree with, or maybe you're the first time here with us today, and, and you go, a beginner's guide to predicting your future. You're going, I don't have the ability to predict my future. But the, 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 the title implies is that you do have somewhat ability to predict your future. And we've kind of made the case over the last couple of weeks that you do. And if you haven't been here, I'd like you to go back and, and listen to those first two weeks of this conversation, because I, I really think you'll understand why we say that. But just to kind of summarize it, the real reason we say that is because there's this principle that applies itself to us all it applies itself whether you choose to apply it. It applies itself to you every day of your life. It can work for you or it can work against you. And this principle is called the direction principle. Now, the direction principle simply says this. Decisions, not intentions, determine direction. See, like, the best way to predict your future is to pay attention to the decisions that you're making and the direction that you're taking because predictable outcomes are attached to every decision that you make. Don't miss that. Predictable outcomes are attached to every decision that you make, which means you always end up where the road you're on is going to take you, not where you intended to go, as we talked about last week, not where you hoped to go, not even where you had like good intentions to go or good plans to go. Decisions, not intentions, determine direction, which leads you down a road to a very predictable destination. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this, and it explains why parents often respond in a way when they see certain things happening in their children's life and the children think that the parents are just absolutely overreacting. Well, the reason parents respond the way they do is because parents, what we do is we never look at where our kids are today, do we? No, no, no. There's always, as a parent, we're always paying attention to where our kids are headed, the path or the road they're on. Because see, as parents... They know something. Parents, we know something that we all should remember about every other area of our life, and that is this. Relationships are never static. They're always moving. They're always dynamic, and every relationship is moving in a certain direction. So you should pay attention. Like, don't just focus where you are right now or where that relationship is right now. Focus on where you're moving in your life. Now, we bring that up because parents aren't the only one who are like more concerned about where your relationship and, and your life are headed right now. Here's what else we know. Your heavenly father is also a lot more concerned, not just about where you are right now, but where also you're headed. You gotta understand it this way, like God and your mama, they don't want you to end up in a place that you don't want to end up, Right? They don't want you to end up in a place that you didn't intend to end up financially and spiritually and morally and personally and relationally in your marriage or in your parenting. See, that's why your parents are always paying attention. God is always paying attention to this principle, the direction principle of where you are headed. 
And that's why today we're talking about the biggest threat, the biggest danger that you face in your life that will move you in the wrong direction and will put you on the wrong road in your life. And so the question is, and, and it addresses this threat and this danger, and that is this. Here's the question. What do you do about the power of strong emotional appeal? What do you do about the power of strong emotional appeal in your life? And that's a very important question, and here's why. Because the biggest challenge to staying on the right road, moving in the right direction, is newer, faster, bigger, richer romance, desire, acceptance, attention, adventure, and security. And not that the, any of these are inherently bad, but what makes them bad is when we try to capt capture them in the wrong kind of way because of a strong emotional appeal. See, don't miss this. The road to avoid is always paved with strong emotional appeal. And many of you need to write that down and put it somewhere where you can see this this week. Because the road to avoid is always paved with strong emotional appeal. Now, you got to understand that because you need to understand what strong emotional appeal does to you. And here's what strong emotional appeal does. Strong emotional appeal, it lowers our defenses and raises our defensiveness. Don't miss this statement either. Strong emotional appeal, it lowers our defenses and raises our defensiveness. See, that shiny, that fascinating, that seducing, that appealing thing that you have in your life, what it always does is it lowers our defenses. We become less cautious. We become less careful. We become less concerned about where they're taking us and where we might end up. And then people all along the way, they come along and they say, do you see where this is going? Do you see where this is really headed? Don't you see what's really happening here? But we won't listen because we have lowered our defenses and we've raised our defensiveness. And whenever you do that, you for, fall for something that is called a confirmation bias. Now, you know what a confirmation bias is? A confirmation bias is this. It's whenever you only see things, hear things, or another way of saying it is, when you only pay attention to things that confirm what you want to be true. And when you have a confirmation bias, what you do is you ignore any information that contradicts what you want to be true. And whenever confirmation bias kicks in, I'm telling you, our IQ drops. It absolutely does. And you know that because you had a confirmation bias and you only looked at what you wanted to see as true and now you look back on that decision and you say something like this, how could I have been so stupid? And the good news is, is you're not stupid. You're not. But we can act stupid. And we can act stupid whenever we're fascinated with things that are fascinating and we're emotional about things with strong emotional appeal. So the confirmation bias, what it does is it lowers our defenses and it raises our defensiveness. 
And if you're one of these people that are like having a conversation with somebody right now who has your best interest in mind and you know they care about you, but you keep dismissing what they're telling you, then you're living this right now. Like anytime anybody comes along and they tell you they love you and you get defensive because they're telling you something you don't want to hear, you should pay attention. See, that's probably a sign when somebody who loves you is coming along saying, do you see where this is headed? Do you know where this is going? And you start getting all defensive. That's probably a sign that strong emotional appeal may be getting to you. And here's kind of how you know you're like justifying your reaction to them, that you're, you're, you're making it okay in your mind that you're being defensive. You just go, well, they're just approaching me so wrong. They just don't have all the information. They just don't understand. Or they just got a bad attitude about the way they're telling me. Okay, let's just assume that all of that is true. But do they love you? And are they trying to get you to see something that you're not seeing? What about the point that they are making? Maybe they are making it the wrong way with the wrong attitude or the wrong approach or whatever. But what about the point they're making? See, here's why they'd say something. Because, see, they know what you know about other people. They know that if you are distracted by something that's shiny, that's something that's fascinating, something that's seductive, then you can't see where the road you're on is really taking you. And they know that you're going to be distracted from where that road is going to take you. And they have the advantage to stand over here and watch where you're going, and they have no emotional attachment to it. They have no emotional attachment or anything appealing to them about it. So they can see so much more clear. And here's the reality. You should take advantage of their view, their ability to see clearly, and you should pay attention. In fact, here's the thing. If you haven't noticed this yet in your own life, what do emotions do to us? Strong emotions, what do they do? They cloud our judgment. They always do, don't they? Strong emotions always cloud our judgment. That's why it's so easy for us to spot somebody else being stupid in their decisions, but it's hard for us to spot our own stupid decisions. You know why? Because emotions cloud our judgment. So you know what wise people do? Wise people, they learn to lean into the clear vision of those around them who have their best interests at heart. And so instead of lowering their defenses... What do they do? They raise their defenses. Instead of assuming that strong emotional appeal equals a green light, which so many people in our culture do, they go, oh, I just feel this so deeply, or I'm just feeling this feeling. See, instead of assuming that strong emotional appeal is a green light, they assume that strong emotional appeal is a caution light, and they need to slow way down. And for some of you, That's exactly what you need to hear today. Because you've lived your life assuming that strong emotional appeal means that you should go. When reality, strong emotional appeal means that you should slow. Maybe it is a great opportunity. Maybe it is a very appealing opportunity. Maybe it is a great person. Maybe it is a very appealing person. 
But to be wise, you have to stop and you have to work through the fog of the strong emotional appeal and make sure that your emotions are not clouding your judgment. And then you begin to listen to the people around you who care the most about you and you begin to pay attention to what they say and that's how you avoid the road that leads to ruin. That's what it's like to raise your defenses and lower your defensiveness. Now, here's the reality this morning. If you're with us today and you're on any of our campuses and you're not a Christ follower, here's what I can tell you about that information we just gave you. That's very helpful information. And you can run with it and you can figure out what to do with it. And it absolutely can help you in your life make wiser choices and wiser decisions. But what we want to do for the next few minutes is I want to have a, like a real candid conversation with those of you who are truly serious about following Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christ follower, we're trusting that maybe this conversation will help you understand the value of following Christ. But for those of you that are seriously trying to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a whole nother element of this. See, strong emotional appeal, why it can lead you away from some very important decisions or maybe help, you know, it can cause you to have regret in your life, those kind of things. But here's the thing, strong emotional appeal can do more than that. It can lead you away from God. It can lead you away from purpose. It can lead you away from fulfillment. And it can lead you from living, lead you away from living a life of significance. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, he addresses this challenge in Hebrews chapter 3, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible. And the reason that he addresses this challenge is because of the damage that he was seeing it do in the lives of people who had great intentions, good intentions, but they could not follow through on their intentions. And for many of you, that sounds pretty familiar. It's like, man, we've got great intentions, but our decisions, as we talked about last week, just don't line up with our intentions. We just can't seem to follow through, and, and that's a struggle that many of us have, I've had. It's like, you know, someone's like, you know, I, ent- I intend to take good care of my body, but, man, I just keep eating all kind of junk food and all kind of sweets, or I intend to be generous, but I just keep spending it all on me, or I, I intend to honor God in this whole area of my life, but, man... I just want to do what's fun in the moment. And here's the thing. If you've ever felt the frustration of intending one thing, but doing another, the writer of Hebrews says, here's the solution and the path that you need to choose. In fact, listen to what he says. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters. Don't miss that phrase. We'll come back to that in just a moment. It's a very important phrase. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, the implication of what the writer of Hebrews is saying is we all have the potential to get off course in our relationship with God and to get off course in the best life that God would have for us. 
In all reality, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not new information because that's your story. That's my story. Like many of us has kind of experienced this where we're doing well following Jesus and, and life is fulfilling and, and our relationship with God has become more real all the time. And then comes along this shiny thing, this fascinating thing, this seducing kind of thing. And we started getting distracted, and, and the emotional appeal was so strong that we changed from the road that we were on following Jesus, and we took a little detour, and, and we were just starting to kind of, we're just going to chase this for a little bit, and for a little while it was fun, and then it started getting bumpy and rough, and it suddenly lost its appeal. And in that moment, we realize we're not where we want to be. We're not even headed in the direction we want to be. We're not even who we want to be or what we want to be. And, and this, this road is not what this road promised it would be. And this isn't fun anymore. And it's definitely not fulfilling. But the writer of Hebrews says, hey, you could have avoided that. In fact, you should have avoided that as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because see, he's telling us in this first verse, he's saying, you're not the only one who's responsible to keep you from chasing what's appealing over what's fulfilling. In fact, notice this verse. Who does the writer of Hebrews say is supposed to see to it that none of you turn away from God? I mean, look closely at this verse. He says it's not just you. He says, but it's all of us. All of us brothers and sisters who are trying to follow Jesus and make right decisions that move us in the right direction. He's saying, listen, we are to see to it. We are responsible to help each other. It's part of being part of God's family. Like you need some people in your life who can help you avoid the wrong roads, who can help you stay on the right one. You need to be helping some people avoid the wrong roads, and they need to be helping you. And he goes, here's how you do it. Notice verse 13. He says, but encourage one another daily which is the writer of Hebrews' way of saying, if you want to make it to the finish line, if, if you want to cross the finish line well, if you want to stay consistent in your life and following Jesus, he's going, here's what you do. You surround yourself with people who have like the same goals as you in following Jesus, and you encourage one another daily. Now, this word encourage right here, it's not how we often think of it. It's not that idea of, hey, you look great today, or hey, it's so good to see you, or hey, hang in there. I know things are a little bit tough, but hang in there, or hey, you know, I hope all that works out. No, 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 no. This word encourage right here, it's a big, powerful word. This word encourage, it means to urge. It means to exhort. It means to confront. It means to come alongside. It means to spur into action. I mean, it is a word when he says, but encourage one another. It's a word that assumes relationship. Don't miss that. This word, encourage one another, this little phrase here, it assumes relationship. And it also assumes that you're connected to people, that you're doing life together, and they know what's happening in your world, and you know what's happening in their world. 
so that when you start to drift, there's somebody in your life who has the freedom to begin to come and pull you back and say, hey, you need to think about what you're doing. Hey, do you really see where this is going? Like you said you believe this, but now you're doing that. Or you said you wanted this in your life, but now you're chasing after that. We need to talk about that. We need to look at that. Notice the writer of Hebrews says that kind of encouragement, how often does it need to be happening? He says it needs to be happening daily. Now, I don't know if he literally means like every day, But I really believe what the writer of Hebrews is saying is we need a small circle of people who are in our lives regularly, not just on Sunday, sitting in rows beside us, in front of us or behind us, not just kind of a once a week kind of thing, but they are consistently in the loop of our life. They know what's happening in our world and you know what's happening in their world and you are doing life together. There's a group of people in your life that I think the writer of Hebrews is calling us to who say, oh, I see that you're starting to get distracted by something that has a real strong emotional appeal. And then they step in quickly and they urge and they confront and they push you to come back and make the right decision and head in the right direction. Please hear this. This is so important. The assumption in the New Testament is that you can't follow Jesus consistently. You you can't stick to decisions consistently. You can't keep moving in the right direction consistently without these kind of relationships. See, God did not leave us here to battle the pool of emotions on our own. We are to help each other stay on track. We are to encourage one another daily. That's why the writer of Hebrews says the last part of this verse. He says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So that means as long as you're alive, because you're living in today. So as long as it's called today, you're to do this. So that, here's why, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, here's the reality. There is no question in any of our minds, whether you're a Christ follower or not, that sin is deceitful. I mean, like, sin overpromises all the time and underdelivers. Sin uses emotions to cloud our judgment. Like, sin is always trying to pull you from the direction that you want to go and then bind you to some consequences that you don't want to experience that were based on your decisions or your actions. In fact, the reality is the longer you chase what is shiny or fascinating or seducing, the more you lower your defenses and raise your defensiveness, or as the writer of Hebrews puts it, harden your heart by the deceitfulness of sin. He says the longer you do that, the harder it is to find your way back. See, here's the reality. Every one of us, we know what it's like to have a hardened heart. I mean, you've done it, I've done it. And the result is, it's like you got lost financially and you ended up in more debt than you planned it on being in. You got lost relationally and you ended up with friendships that encourage you to go in the wrong direction and make bad decisions. You got lost spiritually and you walked away from your relationship with God or you got lost morally and you compromised on convictions and values that you said you would never compromise or you, you got lost in your marriage and you ended up somewhere in your marriage you never wanted to intend or you intended to marry end up in your marriage 
And see, you didn't even realize that you, were got, you got lost because you were chasing what was fascinating, what was shiny, what was seducing. And that's the problem. You didn't know that you were lost until you felt pain and you felt consequences. And the strong emotional pill started losing its appeal. And now here you are, and you can't escape the consequences, and you can't get back to where you want to be immediately. See, the only way to get back is to change your decisions and get back on the road that you want to be on and start traveling in the right direction again. See, that's the deal. You didn't end up here overnight, and you're not going to get back over here where you need to be overnight. But here's what we can do. The direction principle says this. You change your decisions, and therefore you change your direction, and over time, you begin to experience change in your life. But here's what's so important for us to consider today. That did not need to happen in your life. Ending up where you never intended to end up, it did not need to happen. In fact, it should not have happened in our lives had we chosen to listen to people who came into our lives and they said something like this, hey, you need to stop chasing that shiny thing. You need to stop chasing that fascinating thing. You need to stop chasing that seducive thing that's appealing to your emotions. You are headed in the wrong direction. Quit trying to take these detours. Quit trying to swerve around. Here's the reality, and this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. If you had had people in your life who were encouraging you daily, if you had had people that you were encouraging daily, then we probably would not have the stories that we have in our life, and they wouldn't have many of the stories that they have in their lives. What ends up happening is we end up making decisions that keep moving us in the wrong direction, and we keep being defensive to the people who are trying to help us. But had we come along and made decisions by listening to people that kept us moving in the right direction, we could have ended up in destinations that we intended to be at. Now, here's the reality. None of us can go back and change our past. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, you can change your future. So if you want to get on track and you want to stay on track, and we believe that's what most of you want, it's why we're all here together, Here's what you need to know. Write this down. Travel in a pack if you want to stay on track. See, you've got to have some people in your life who just won't watch you make dumb decisions and then talk about it with your friends. You need some people in your life that you are connected with at a personal level and involved with on a daily basis who feel the freedom to be honest with you and you can be honest with them. And here's the reality. If you have that kind of relationship, and we are thrilled for you because you need to value that. You need to invest in those relationships and you need to do whatever you can to keep that kind of relationship. But if you're listening today, and you'd have to admit as probably many of you are, because I hear conversations like this all the time with people. I don't know who these people are for me that can encourage me daily. Maybe you used to have them, but you don't now, or maybe you've never had them, and you don't even know how to get this kind of people in your life. Here's what we want to encourage you to do. We want to encourage you in this fall season, get into a small group. 
And today is the perfect day for you to make the decision that you're going to take a step next week and start getting into a small group for this fall. Because next week, we're going to start having small group signups where you can sign up to be part of a small group on your campus. And just so you know, in case you've never been part of a small group, small groups are not therapy groups. They're not like these awkward meetings where somebody like lectures you or beats you up with the Bible, like hits you in the mouth with the Word of God and tries to make you love it, that kind of thing. It's not that. Small groups, here's what small groups are. They are designed to help you build relationships with a few people who encourage you daily to stay on the road that you want to be on and encourage them. You do the same thing for them. And here's the thing. If you don't have those kind of relationships in your life, we can promise you it will not happen by accident. You have to be very intentional about developing those kind of relationships. So small groups are our way to help provide a path for you to develop that kind of relationship. It is the reason that we make groups like the highest priority, that we have nothing else that competes with groups in, in our church. So to close it out and make this real practical, we got two questions for you. Here's the first one. First question is, have you become so emotion or enamored, excuse me, have you become so enamored with something or somebody that you have failed to recognize where the road is taking you? Is that you? Have you become so enamored with something shiny, something fascinating, something, something that's very seductive to you that you failed to recognize where the road is taking you? Like, really be honest with yourself. I mean, there's something so emotional appealing in your life right now that you're war ignoring all the warning signs, and, and you've even changed directions in your life, and you're chasing it. So, like, have you lowered your defenses and raised your defensiveness? If so, then you've got two options. One is you can change the course now before you start experiencing the consequences and before you experience all the lost time and you can get back on the right track. Or you can wait until that someone or until that something loses its appeal, and then you'll start facing the consequences, and it's going to take you a whole long, lot longer to get back where you want to be. But here, here's the good news, and, and there's, there's hope for us when we get sidetracked. And the way that you get back on track is through the direction principle. You start making different decisions because decisions determine direction. So just change your decisions and start heading in the right direction again. And here's the cool part. God will be with you every step of the way if you'll invite him back into that journey. Now, it won't necessarily speed up your time getting out of the consequences, but it will get you back to where you need to be. Now, here's the second question. Will you create a circle of relationships with people who will encourage you daily to stay on the right road? Like, will you do that? Will you join a group of people or ask some people to be part of a group in your life who you will do that for them and they will do that for you? Because see, wise people know that to stay on track, you have to travel with a pack. Because see, you can't stay on track you can't avoid all the strong emotional appeal without the help of some friends. So here's the reality. Next week, we start signing up for small groups for our whole fall season. And our big question to you is this. Will, will you create a circle of relationships with people who will encourage you daily and you will encourage daily to stay on the right track? Listen, 
It's the only way you're going to be able to consistently follow Jesus and resist the strong emotional appeal in our culture. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us enough to help us understand the path we need to take. I thank you that we're not alone in this. God, I thank you for our church, the body of Christ. And God, there are so many people who have this desire to truly follow you and make wise choices and wise decisions. And so I just pray this, this will be the day. When many of us will say, God, today I've, I've learned that I can't do this alone. It's never meant to do it alone. So help us to make the commitment that next week we're, we're going to make that decision. We're going to decide to stay on track. We're going to travel in a pack. We're going to have a group. We're going to be committed to that group. And I know they'll be committed to me as well. God, help us all to live with that mindset. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen.